Beloved by God, Church, let us begin our service before the Lord. Let us stand up and confirm the confessions of the faith of our heart, the promise that belongs to the door of our hope. May the resurrection of Christ reign within our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are thankful to your holy name for the privilege of being in this place that your hand has appointed for the worshiping of your holy name. And now allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted up to heights that are not reachable for us and destroy all burden and sin that binds us. May in this service, as previously, all the works of devil be cursed, illnesses, poverty, untimely death, demonic possession, all matter of fear, depression, destruction, ignorance, error, all of this may depart from the tents of your holy people. And now stand, O Lord, upon the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might, and may your saints be clothed into your salvation and rejoice before your face. Give us more of your Spirit, saturate us with your Holy Spirit, allow us to find your great face. We thank you that the service is presented by Apostle Arkady into your godly hands, and we pray continue to lead it with a powerful and mighty arm, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. The book of Jeremiah 6, 16. Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths, where the good way is, and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. Returning to the old path of good. As a basis for our study of the old path of good, we turn to the words of Apostle Paul, who by the mercy and inspiration of the Holy Spirit was successfully able to, in short and exact definitions, explain the consistency of the order that exists within the teaching of Christ. Hebrews 6, 1 through 2, Apostle Arkady presents this to us in a more elaborated uh, format and deeper explanation. Therefore, sprinkling yourself with the elementary teaching of Christ and clothing yourself with the armor of light, which consists in the rule of this teaching, we will then build ourselves into a house of God because, because it is not possible to lay again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, the doctrine of baptisms, laying on of the hands, resurrection of the dead, and the eternal judgment. And so we see here four doctrines, the doctrine of baptisms, doctrine of laying on of hands, the doctrine of the resurrection of the dead, and the doctrine of the eternal judgment. This is one doctrine, but it is presented in four primary rivers, and it's interesting that every one of these uh, doctrine, doctrines, they contain in themselves a trinity of other teachings, and together, united, they make up 12. Revelations 21 14. Now the wall of the city had 12 foundations. Today we will try to capture all 12 foundations. We will look at uh, this picture from afar, from a distance, so we see the, the beauty that is presented to us in this amazing teaching of Jesus Christ. And we will begin with the doctrine of the baptisms, and then the laying on of the hands, then the resurrection of the dead, and the eternal judgment. We'll have a concentration of 
of these four. And so the doctrine of the baptisms, as we know, it contains the baptism of water, Holy Spirit, and fire. This is one baptism, but it has three functions. The primary function of the baptism of water, where we are submerged into the death of Christ, is called to separate us from the world and is a seal of righteousness before God, which we received before we received before we were baptized. Before we were baptized, we receive the name righteous because we confess our sins and he being faithful and true forgives us and makes us righteous. And now in the baptisms, I need to confirm my faith in the blood of Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection and in the covenant of blood the Lord places his seal <clears throat> and we see that the death of the Lord Jesus Christ immediately begins to show itself it separates us from the world and makes us uh, sojourners on this earth before we made these covenants of blood but after and so we have not yet started this process but after we make this covenant we now become gods and citizens of heaven and for this world we become strangers for them and foreigners the primary function of the baptism of the Holy Spirit where we are submerged into the Holy Spirit is called by the means of the death of Jesus Christ to separate us from the sinful conduct of the life of our fathers the Holy Spirit himself in this baptism is called to be a seal and guarantee of our inheritance and so here we die for the house of our father <coughs> and we become uh, fatherless so that we can be here I can't be in this place and share all of the blessing that God has given while I'm still bound to the sinful life of my fathers and some who sit here your parents did not want to see you here they actually would prefer that you die than uh, there was a situation like that that if, instead of coming to the service you need to die for the house of your father so that you can be within these the, the walls of this place the primary function of the baptism of fire where we are submerged into the Father is called by the means of the death of Jesus Christ to ultimately separate the old man from the new and lead us into the category of kings and priests. <clears throat> Here, by the means of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are clothed into the status of a widow. We completely separate from the old man who is connected to us through our soul. And so these are the three baptisms that speak of a a stranger, one who is fatherless and who is a widow. All three forms of baptism are united, which is why they identify the relationship with one, lo one Lord and one faith. Ephesians 4, 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And so if it's one baptism, then it's not that you could choose, well, at least uh, I can be baptized by water so I don't go to hell. Holy Spirit and fire could be for someone else. No, it's one baptism. And if we only have the goal or the intention to get be at the threshold of God, then we are making a mistake. 
all bapt all these baptisms are one and they make us strangers they make us fatherless and they make us widows because there's one lord he's one lord and he's united as well all three forms of baptism pursue one goal to identify us with the death of christ Romans 6 3 or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death we were baptized into his death that means we were submerged into it we entered into the ark of Noah <clears throat> my spirit soul and body went into this ark and because my spirit soul and body entered the ark God wants to save not just my spirit my soul also and my body and everything that's outside of the ark is something that God did not make a covenant with. This is the old man who is pounding ag uh, and against the walls of the ark and asking to come in, and we're not opening to him. The Egyptians followed after Israel when they were crossing the Red Sea, if you remember. <clears throat> and the, the Egyptians followed uh, after them and all perished because God did not want to work with that area of our soul that we have separated from. He made a contract and agreement with our renewed mind or our soul, but not with the old in the form of this Egypt. All three forms of baptism, they reconcile us with God and make us wholly upright and without guilt before God. Romans 5.10 for if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son much more having then been reconciled we shall be saved by his life Romans 5.10 and so the goal is not just to come into the ark but to come out of it as well and so if life will not become resurrection then it will be lost we are submerged into the death of the Lord Jesus Christ for the purpose of finding him in his resurrection and for our life to become resurrection when we're born again we receive life but this life it does not have a seal it will have a seal when it's resurrection because everything that he receives he receives through the altar and we receive life we're born again but this life doesn't have the seal and we're submerged into the death of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the baptism of water we die for something in the baptism of the Holy Spirit we die for something in the baptism of fire we die for something and all these seals are then obtained and this life then becomes resurrection and then it will say we will receive the seal the holiness of the Lord and so life again that has not become resurrection will forever be lost all three forms of baptism are different levels of the seal of righteousness which are signs of our belonging to God. Romans 4.11 And he received the sign of circumcision Abraham, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be inputted to them also. And so we see what kind of seal we receive. In the baptism of water, we make a covenant of blood, and we receive the seal of holiness to the Lord. Exodus 28:36. You shall also make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it, like the engraving of a signet, holiness to the Lord. We are the holiness to the Lord by the fact of our birth. 
even if my actions, my thoughts, my words are far from that, but the Lord sees my spirit holy, although I can't, and I can't sin in my spirit, but I could sin and have still sin in my mind or in my words and actions. And so this is the first seal we receive when we are baptized in water. When we make a covenant with God and may are baptized in the Holy Spirit, we receive the next seal, 2 Timothy 2.19. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone who who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And so here the Lord offers to us uh, the covenant of salt. Covenant of salt is when we begin to do something for, for God. In the covenant of blood, God did something for us. In the covenant of salt, we now do something for God. And so we respond to God's love with our love, and we, we respond in the baptism of the Holy Spirit when we demonstrate the covenant of salt. We depart from iniquity and we confess the name of the Lord. In the baptism of fire, we receive the next seal, Ezekiel 48.35, and the name of the city from that day shall be the Lord is there. The name Jerusalem, the Lord is there. And so that document of righteousness which we fill out and so the, the justification we receive and that's in justification we receive in the baptism of water and then we finally receive that as an end result in the, his resurrection and so we come we repent we confess our sins and we're prayed for we are now righteous and holy we have filled out this document, our name, our our last name, but there's no seal. And so where do you get the seal? Go to the next window. This means confirm your faith through the baptism of water. We, res- we are baptized in water. When we're baptized in water, we're submerged into the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we make a covenant of blood with Him. Upon our document of righteousness, we receive the seal. This is the holiness of the Lord. And I stretch out my hand and ask for the document, but we can't receive it yet. I still need rights. Okay, go to the next department. It's called the Resurrection of Jesus Christ. There, they will take a photo of you and will give you the rights. A passport. I go there and I receive my passport, which will allow me then to enter heaven in the teaching of the Resurrection, in the doctrine of the Resurrection of Jesus Christ. In this way, I started with life and finished with resurrection. Resurrection is life that has a seal on it. And so everything that God gives us, we can receive it in His resurrection. God has His 12 foundations for what reason? To build the walls and that there be in these walls these pearly gates and that you walk through these pearly gates and approach then the tree of life. The tree of life is life that has the seal of God. Continuing talking about the baptism, we see all three forms of baptism deprive power from the stronghold of death and deliver those who were baptized from the fear and slavery of the second death. Hebrews 2, 14, 15. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise, Jesus Christ, shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, the devil, and release those who through fear of death, were all their life, lifetime subject to bondage. 
those through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage, the bondage of Egypt, this was our infancy, and also Babylon, which is our carnal state when we're not coming out of this. And so these are two forms of bondage that the nation of Israel were confronted with. And so these forms of bondage we need to overcome within ourselves. And this is possible only through the three forms of baptism. And so that's, again, the state of an infant and also the state of, of, of carnal. All three forms of baptism pursue one final goal so that we can walk in the newness of life. Romans 6, 4. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also would, should walk in the newness of life. To walk in the new, newness of life is to clothe yourself into the new person created in accordance to God into righteousness and holiness, which is not possible without casting off the old man from yourself who grows corrupt according to his deceitful lusts. And so all three forms of baptism, they will allow us to uh, cast off this old man. And first, the Lord kills the old man in our nation. If he begins with us, then we will run away. And so God says, okay, not to scare you, I'll start with your nation. And then with the house of your father. And then with you yourself. You see what process the Lord takes, in what way He works, how He casts off the old man and how He clothes us into the new person. And so when we die for our nation, this doesn't mean we hate our nation. As we love our nation, others don't love their nation like we love our nation. To love love your nation is to hate the old man within your nation. To die for the house of your father is to hate the old man within your house. And to hate your soul is to hate the old man who is married to your soul. And so everything that's bound to the old man in our nation, the house of our father, or we ourselves, need to go, needs to go through the process of death. All three forms of baptism fulfill the role of the winnowing fan to cleanse us as wheat from chaff and present us before God as clean grain ready to be ground into flour. Matthew 3:11-12. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, John the Baptist says, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly cleanse out his his threshing floor, and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. At the time of the work of the winnowing fan, we determine then who is wheat, whom the Lord wants to cleanse, and who is the chaff. Because of this winnowing fan, the preached word, Jesus continuously used this winnowing fan and the disciples said uh, Jesus if you would have said this Lord if you wouldn't just wouldn't have said this they would not have left but he in this way by saying the things he said uh, was cleansing the chaff away and Jesus spoke in ways sometimes where people uh, stumbled and left here people uh, also had this 
we've had these situations where pastor explains everything very clearly and people began complaining and grumbling why are we continually talking about different components and different angles of things and why would pastor not just make it completely clear and easy for us but people would would complain didn't want to learn or study anything and so we saw the winnowing fan working and the chaff flew away and we the weed remain and are just clean and cleansed from this this chaff also in ourselves all three forms of baptism are called to serve as dedication of ourselves to god as nazarites number six two through eight Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when either a man or a woman consecrates an offering to take the vow of of a Nazarite to separate himself to the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine and similar drink. He shall drink neither vinegar made from uh, wine nor vinegar made from similar drink, neither shall he drink any grape juice. All the days of his separation he shall eat nothing that is produced by the grapevine. All the days of the vows of his separation no razor shall come upon his head. All the days of the separate, he separates himself to the Lord. He shall not go near a dead body. He shall not make himself unclean even for, for his father or his mother. All the day of his separation, he shall be holy to the Lord. Mm. And so we fill ourselves with the Holy Spirit. Uh, but if you make that a priority over the word of God, this is uh, drinking this uh, grapevine or this uh, dr- juice of the grapes. Uh, in this situation, symbolically, you prefer that and says not to do this. We are not to touch uh, or come near a dead body. Uh, and that's, of course, referring to lawless people uh, that we should not have contact with, that we should not uh, collaborate with in any way, <clears throat> the unclean and the lawless. The dead body itself, of course, does not defile a literal dead body. If, if a holy person had passed away, um, but if a person is lawless, even if he's alive, he's dead to God. A dead, a, a dead body is some, everything that's dead to God. Um, and so these three, we need to remember, and and the fact that we are kings and priests, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days. Uh, a year we are continuously priests we need to not have the right to do this as you remember that pastor told the story that he spoke with a uh, with one other uh, pastor that was uh, drinking in small amounts small portions and he valued his own service and considered himself a priest this uh, this pastor and Jesus and pa- our pastor told him that you do realize that as you are a priest 24 hours a day 365 days a year you're a priest and you, we're not allowed to then to drink in any form in any amount and uh, unfortunately this gentleman had passed away later All three forms of baptism unite us together in the likeness of his resurrection or make us sons of resurrection. Romans 6, 5. If we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. And so death and resurrection needs to be in the likeness and death 
of the death and resurrection of Christ. For example, if you've committed some sort of sin and it is not uh, suffering for the sake of Christ, for the sake of the truth, then it doesn't need to be titled that way. Uh, you have to understand that it has to be specifically, this is a circumstance where you suffer suffer for Christ's sake uh, or for the sake of the truth. Now let's look at the doctrine of laying on of the hands. The doctrine of laying on of the hands is the doctrine of the making of one covenant between God and man and between man and God. Laying on of hands is a legitimate and rightful aspect where a person symbolically signs with his own hand an agreement with God where he consciously and voluntarily promises to serve God with a good conscience. This is specifically why people bringing their offering to God were called to lay their hands upon their offering. Leviticus 1.4 Then he shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering and it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him. And so laying on of the hands is the, the doctrine of laying on of the hands is the teaching of God's covenants. And so how did they used to sign a contract today? We say, we take a, a piece of paper and we sign this with a pen. Before, nothing was signed with a pen. It was all signed with blood, the blood of the covenant. And so today, or, or back then, an offering would be brought and the ha our hand was then put upon this offering and a person gave a vow, a promise, the teaching of laying on of the hands, the teaching of the covenants, considering that the covenant of man with God and God with man is contained in three baptisms, we conclude that the, in the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh, the doctrine, doctrine of laying on of the hands contains three ascending levels of covenants with God. This is the covenant of blood, covenant of salt, and covenant of, of rest. In the baptism of water, we make a covenant of blood. In the baptism of the Holy Spirit, covenant of salt, and Baptism of fire, covenant of rest. Three baptisms, three covenants, three births, and three uh, forms of God's will. And we'll talk about those later. Let's see what kind of covenant we make uh, in the covenant of blood. First, the covenant of blood in the baptism of water is called to sanctify us and give God the ability to write our new name in the book of life so that this name can serve as the seal of righteousness before God. Because the seal of righteousness which we obtain when we make a covenant of blood in the baptism of water is a new name given by God to a new person, which contains our divine destiny from God in the form of our purpose and our calling. And so in the baptism of water, God makes a covenant with us and gives us a name. When our faith is confirmed, in the baptism of water. Second, the covenant of salt in the baptism of the Holy Spirit is called to destroy the power of sin and in this way give us the ability to hallow God in our bodies and our souls, which are God's. And third, the covenant of rest in the baptism of fire is called to lead us into the rest of God, which is the Sabbath of the eternal day, where we receive the ability to demonstrate the results of the shown to us holiness within our bodies and our souls. Therefore, the covenant, summing, summing all these up, the covenant of blood makes us holy 
The covenant of salt allows us to demonstrate holiness, and the covenant of rest allows us to see the final result of holiness in the in uh, in the rest of God, where the Lord finds His rest in us, and we find our rest in Him. And so we find our rest in God in the in the covenant of blood already. And because He makes us holy, and we find our rest in God. But God is not yet at rest, at peace, or He has not found His rest. He will, in the covenant of rest, He will find His rest. In the covenant of blood, we find our rest in Him. He, God calls us His own. And so now let's look at, in general, what, what these three covenants have in themselves. First, one covenant between God and man is presented in three great names, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Exodus 3, 13 through 15. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I came to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your father has sent me sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you, you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your father the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and God of Jacob has sent me to you. We are able to partake in the blessings contained in the given covenant which God has made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob only by faith in Christ Jesus. God has shown to Moses uh, you need to show me you need to show me in the Trinity, where there's a, a three covenants given to a person who has a spirit, soul, and body. How beautifully God, the Father, the Father is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's three covenants, blood, salt, and rest. And all of these uh, are given so that you remember me always and meditate about what kind of her- inheritance you have in God. One covenant between God and man is an everlasting covenant ordered in all things and secure. Second Samuel 23.5 He has made with me an everlasting covenant ordered in all things and secure. The Lord reveals His names here. We see in Psalm 18 I will love you Lord my strength, my rock, and my fortress, my deliverer, my God in whom I, in whom I trust. And so He shows Himself to be uh, in a God in this covenant to us as an everlasting covenant and it is these are also his qualities and they are also in his names and so having this covenant or making this covenant we then confirm the fact that he is everlasting and ordered and secure third one covenant between God and man is its own form of an agreement or contract about relationship and collaboration Genesis 17, 3 through 17. Then Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abraham, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be 
God to you and your descendants after you, and I will give you and your descendants after you the land which you are a stranger. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a sign on the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised, every male child in your in your generations, he who is born in your house or bought with money from any foreigner who is not your descendant, he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money must be circumcised, and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant, and the uncircumcised male child who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. Then God said to Abraham, as for Sarai your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but shall call her Sarah. I will bless her and also give you a son by her. This agreement places responsibility upon man to proclaim the not existent as existent. At the same time, God takes the responsibility upon himself to make this not non-existent as existent. We need to pay attention to the fact that to proclaim the not existent as existent, it is necessary to be circumcised, serving as a sign of the covenant between man and God. Circumcision is testimony of the cross of Christ within us. Without the testimony of the cross of Christ within us, you can't proclaim the not existent as already existent. Because when you say, Lord, I proclaim the not existent as existent, we say, Lord, I state what already is in Jesus Christ, that it already exists inside of me as well. And this is possible through the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because everything that is in Jesus Christ, we can take in his death and his resurrection. And so for Abraham to have said these things, he needed to be circumcised. The Lord offered Israel not just to offer sacrifices. The person also experienced pain. This is a true covenant with God. When we receive a covenant or make a covenant of blood, Jesus uh, is experiencing the pains. But when we are circumcised ourselves, we then experience the pain on ourselves. If it hurts only Christ, then and it is not for us, then we are not in the covenant. And so a person who is in the covenant needs to experience that pain as well. And so we see what the Lord had experienced upon the cross, but we need to suffer for His name's sake. There needs to be a uh, mutual uh, love and one covenant between God and man is collaboration of the mind of Christ and the mind of man. 1 Corinthians 2:14 through 16 But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one, for he who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. And so collaborating or the collaboration of the mind of Christ or the wisdom of God can happen with the renewed mind of man that is placed in dependence of the good heart and spirit of our mind. And all of this happens because of the covenant we make with God. Our soul needs to be in complete dependence of our spirit and our spirit needs to be in absolute dependence of the Holy Spirit. 
And how do you determine that I am an absolute dependence of the Holy Spirit <clears throat> by how I react to the preached word of the person whom God has placed? And when I receive this from this messenger, from this person, then my spirit collaborates with the Spirit of God. And when I receive these words, these preached words, these labors, then I begin to meditate and then my soul begins to collaborate with the mind of Christ, which is the teaching of Christ that is written in my heart, and the soul then passes on these uh, words to my uh, lips, and I proclaim myself by and clothe myself into the resurrection of Christ by proclamation. One covenant between God and man is a legitimate right to uh, have one another and identify ourselves in one the other. Hebrews 8.10, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. The covenant of God where you are belong to one another, it's showing partnership where you dissol- are dissolved in one the other. John 17.23, I in them and you in me that they may be may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that I have sent that you have sent me and I have loved them as you have loved me we see this very interesting collaboration so that the laws uh, be put into our minds and our hearts we allow Christ to place us uh, we allow uh, us ourselves to be placed into Jesus Christ and 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 we can't be placed into the Father without Jesus Christ. He will, the Lord will speak to us from the position of the Son. And how do you place yourself into Christ? By the Word of God. I will put my laws in their mind and, in their, and write them in their heart. That means that we have been placed into Christ and Christ in us. And, the, and Christ is in the Father. That's how we identify ourselves with the other. And so... The, the son with us and, and we with the with the son one covenant between God and man is passing on sovereign responsibility and authority to one the other Genesis 126 then God said let us make man in our image according to our likeness let them have dominion over all the earth God is bound by his own words which he has placed above all of his names and he does not do anything without the consent of man on the earth and so the author of these conditions upon which these sovereign relationships need to be built from the beginning and end is God himself he is the author of these conditions not us the condition is a covenant which God has offered to a person that is in his likeness how beautifully our pastor explains this the Lord wants to collaborate with us not violating our sovereign rights and so he says I can't do anything upon planet earth without you or without your consent but if you want to collaborate with me and allow me to do something on the earth here are my conditions if you're agreeing with these conditions then I will be able to uh, through you and with you do something we receive his conditions but we never uh, place our own in some way Lord uh, saying Lord this word uh, it right, we shouldn't be there, or if you don't give this to me right now, or give a place some kind of conditions for what needs to happen. Uh, 
we can't do these things. Only the Lord will can say what can happen and when it can happen. One covenant between God and man is the responsibility to build an ark of salvation for your household. Genesis 6, 17, 18. Everything that is on the earth shall die, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall go into the ark, you and your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And so to make ensure your salvation, or to prepare the ark for the salvation of your house, requires reverence. Hebrews 11.7 By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heirs, became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. And so we hold on to the promise that you and your house will be saved. And the first you need is faith, is reverence or godly fear in this case. If we don't have this godly fear or this reverence, then that means we will not be able to pray for our children. We need to have faith and godly fear. We receive the word in the format of faith, but for the Lord to hear these promises in our heart, we we pray, Lord, hear my prayer about my daughter. And so when you pray, you say, Lord, I received this promise for my household, and you need to have this godly fear when you pray in this way. Because Noah had this faith and he had this godly fear. And because of the faith and godly fear, uh, God then condemned the world. One covenant between God and man is the right to uh, be able to come into God's presence or sovereign presence and for God then to enter into the sovereign presence of man. Revelations 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. And so by the means of his knock upon the door of the human heart, God then determines whether this person has his likeness or not. And so by the knock, he determines whether this person has his likeness or not. And such a likeness of God in man is identified by two criteria. First, the ability of a person to listen to the voice of God. And the second, the ability to open this door of his heart. This is how he determines if this person is in his likeness. Can the word of God be access his heart? Does it first access the mind or the heart? Are you listening with your mind, with your mind, and uh, making the determination what you should or shouldn't be receiving, or are you receiving it with your heart, all of it, because you understand that that's what it's for? Because you first find someone who who is God's messenger, you ensure that this is God's messenger. You do the right things. You look at the wellspring. Uh, and uh, if you verify that this is from God, this person is from God, then everything he will state will be from God. And you then uh, attune yourself to listen to this person and begin to close your ears out to other things. 
And if you know this, that this informational spring is God's person, then you focus again your mind in your heart upon this person so that it can access your heart and it not go directly first to your intellect, but go to your heart because the word that is offered to us, the Lord offers to us uh, using the messenger uh, that he gives, in our case, our pastor, when he offers this word, this word needs to immediately go into our heart. And scripture says Mary pondered about these things in her own heart uh, because she thought in her heart, how is this going to happen? And then she said, may it be according to your word. She understood that while she's just thinking about this, uh, nothing is going to happen. But because she only received the seed uh, when she said, may it be according to your word because it came into her heart and he, she began to then eat of these breads that were laid upon the table of showbreads. The table of showbreads is only in some Christians. This is a person uh, who receives the word of God. They hear it from the right spring and it is put into our heart. But if we're sitting and grumbling and are unhappy, that means that our heart is not prepared into a table of showbreads. And so the way that we react to God's temple uh, will determine how our heart is and whether it is a table of showbreads that's receiving these breads. And so this was the doctrine of laying on of the hands. The next, the doctrine of the resurrection of the dead. The third. In Scripture, the word resurrection belonged to the resurrection of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh has these meanings. Resurrection is the life of God, the water of life, the spirit of life, the word of life, and the seed of the kingdom of heaven, redemption, rebirth, incorruption, renewal, the light of life, the order of the life of God, the hope of our inheritance in God, being planted in the house of the Lord. All of this is life and res- the life and resurrection of Christ. And we know that all three forms of birth they grow a person into a perfect man into the full measure of growth in Christ. The teaching of the resurrection has three ascending and linked forms of birth. Birth of water, birth from the Spirit, birth to the throne. John 3, 3 through, 5, 3 through 6. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly to Nicodemus, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. The requirement to be born from water and spirit to the throne is a requirement and necessary requirement of making a covenant of blood, covenant of salt, and covenant of rest with God in the baptism of water, Holy Spirit, and fire. What do all these three forms of births do? They first connect a person to the family of God and make us gods. 1 John 5, 1, whoever believes that Jesus is Christ is born of God. Ephesians 2.19, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints 
and members of the household of God. And we are, we become members because of this birth. Birth is resurrection. Why three forms of birth? This is practically a demonstration of resurrection of the life in us. All three forms of birth, they are resist the second death. Revelations 26. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Nowhere in scripture does it say of the second resurrection. Otherwise, we would have a second Christ. The first resurrection belongs to Christ himself. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, Colossians 1.18. And we also have one death that is presented to us in two acts. The first act of death is it temporarily separates us uh, from the mortal body, so we receive the imperishable body. And the second act of death is an eternal work that separates us from God because of sin that was not forgiven. And so God has promised that that he would protect us from the second death. And power there's no power of the second death over this person. But the time will come when this first death will also not have uh, control over us any longer, will not have effect over us any longer. Uh, that death will not be able to in any way access us. Uh, we will be in these unapproachable mountains, illness and and decay and all these things, and death will not have access to us. And we need to already see ourselves there. When we can forgive people, we forgive people with our heart. When we can uh, rise above uh, any kind of uh, offenses against us, and show God today that we are already in your reward, your reward. We are in these unapproachable mountains. Allow me to raise my my soul and my body so that none of these terrible things would be able to access them. And so we, our spirit is there on these unapproachable mountains. We're lifting up the soul and the body uh, also needs to uh, join there too. Three forms of birth carry the life of God. This is this mounted up eagle in scripture. We see this uh, in the army of Israel and we see this in the camp. Eagle is a symbol of the renewed life that uh, celebrates over death. Psalm 103.5, your youth is renewed like the eagles. Isaiah 40:31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And so according to the teaching of the resurrection, death, it of course eliminates and removes the resurrection of Christ. It, it, it or allows you to be born and allows you to live. The death of the Lord Jesus Christ, again, it eliminates, it removes, it kills the old man within us. And then the life of resurrection 
and the teaching of resurrection will be able to renew you and clothe you into your new person. All three forms of birth in the teaching of the resurrection of the dead come from hearing the preached word of truth about the kingdom of heaven. James 1.18 Of his own will he brought us forth by the will of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. God does, uh, he by his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. That means God want, God wanted his first fruit because the first fruit wanted him. And how do you determine that you wanted him? By the word of God, according to the word of God, when you receive the word of God with trembling, we love it, we value it, and we together with the word receive the person whom God has given to you, the messenger. And we love the messenger and we love the word that he, he speaks. And so we hear uh, people say things that this is not his teaching or that, and these are people, these are grumblers, these are people that have been uh, somehow excommunicated. And they say, uh, well, this is not the teaching of Apostle Arkady, this is something God has passed on, but this is not him. So I will receive the teaching, but I will not receive the Apostle himself, the messenger himself. And... And it is good that the devil has his own magnets that he draws these uh, these wicked, these evil people away and draws it draws these, these magnets take take them away from here and uh, draw them to themselves. All three forms of birth overcome the the world and condemn and this is by the means of faith that Jesus is the Son of God. 1 John 5, 4, 5, <clears throat> for whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has be, ha, that has overcome the world, our faith. 1 John 5, 5, he who, is, he who has overcome the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Hebrews 11, 7, by faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. All three forms of birth cleanse the heart uh, from hypocrisy so you have brotherly love first peter 1 23 since you have purified your soul in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love for the brethren love one another fervently with a pure heart having been born again not of corruptible seed but incorruptible through the word of god which lives and abides forever continuously love one another <clears throat> And it's not that you do something good for me or pleasant, then I'll love you. If you do something unpleasant, then I won't love you. No, that's hypocritical love. If you see sometimes children, a little brother with another brother uh, uh, begin to argue, but if somebody else uh, attempts to do something, then the other will defend the other. And so again, we have to love one another, and we love from a, from a pure heart. To love one another is to have a relationship that is regulated by the laws of holiness. Hebrews 12, 14 through 16, pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. 
looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. One who is defiled is, is one who legalizes sin and state that God loves everyone in general. And this kind of mentality or sharing this mentality with these people uh, will make will defile us when they say God loves everyone without condition. Unfortunately, with such people, you, you, you rarely can share anything. And so, I don't believe there's such people in the church, but if they were, uh, uh, then you don't share this kind of uh, thinking with these kinds of people. All three forms of birth in the resurrection, teaching of the resurrection of the dead, is the door to be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. John 3, 5, Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. To enter the kingdom of God is to confirm your salvation. It's not that you are saved but haven't entered the kingdom of heaven. Salvation and the kingdom of heaven are one. You can't be saved and reject the kingdom because the kingdom is salvation. Of course, not all people will be able to be grown in salvation, but... If a person receives salvation and rejects the kingdom, then this person absolutely will not be in salvation. But if he received salvation, but for example, was not able to grow into full measure of growth in Christ, did not uh, achieve that. Because people, there are people who separate salvation from the kingdom and they say, well, I want to be saved, but I don't want the kingdom. And we, we are saved and then we grow and but if we're being selective, saying, well, we want only this or we want only that, but we don't want the other. All three forms of birth in the doctrine of the resurrection of the dead cannot be used by the flesh in any way or taken advantage of by the flesh. John six sixty three. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are, li- are spirit and they are life. And so all these three forms of birth, they are not for the flesh. They include our body. And so the flesh is the Canaanite land, our body, the difference between the flesh and the body. When we're talking about the carnal. And so is this our body or is this what we're referring to as the flesh? The lawless and the wicked, this is their flesh. But for us as our body, because the Holy Spirit is Lord and Master of our life, and this body becomes not the land of Canaan, but the land of Israel. This is now Israel, because it has Yahweh. Very important difference, because the flesh doesn't use, uh, flesh profits nothing, as it says. All three forms of birth, they teach us to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit in our heart and follow after this voice. John 3, 8, the, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And so what does it mean that the wind blows where it wishes? 
And so the Holy Spirit blows his winds, his life, into the heart of one who is dedicated to God and who, and that is holy. And so you understand it and you obey this voice that you hear, the Holy Spirit. One who is born of the Spirit. We were singing the song, if I would have met him, I would have recognized him. But only one who is born of the Spirit can say this. One who has made a covenant of salt. If I would have met of Christ, then I would have been able to identify him. If one who is not born of the Spirit, he will crucify Christ. And so the fact that we sing songs that have these words, this can be legitimate if they're born to the Spirit and born from the Spirit and born to the throne, because every other person will crucify Christ. The phrase, and you don't know, you cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. And so you can't understand uh, until someone instructs you or you receive the instruction that you need to from a messenger of God. This happens with some uh, where it says, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. It's speaking of a person who possesses this blindness that has need of where uh, of direction or where, where way to go but a person who thinks he sees and knows everything then of course this person is not born from the spirit one who's born of the spirit is a person who listens attentively a person who in the presence of the anointed of god uh speaks and and speaks things he doesn't understand and has no questions to ask Again, you need to attentively listen and remember, and you ask questions based on what you've heard. When a person just uh, talks, but in the presence of an anointed person of God, this means he's not born of the Spirit. All three forms of birth in the teaching of the resurrection of the dead bring forth a living hope, a living form of hope. First Peter 1, 3 through 5. Blessed by be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Ephesians 2, 6, 7 and all three forms of birth in this case will be demonstrated in goodness that is given to us or shown to us in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 6, 7, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And so there's a level of God's goodness where the Lord, that the Lord shows to us in the format of being born to the throne. God's goodness uh, how how it is shown will be different depending on the price and how, how they are being shown. Matthew eleven twelve And from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And so every one of these areas, a person shows his reverence to God, being born from the water, Holy Spirit, 
and fire, in every one of these, the Lord shows his favor, a form of his favor. And there are different levels of favor that are, are going to be shown. The Lord shows his favor in the form of seating you on his right side. Others will be walking in the light of Jerusalem. See what's happening. And you say, well, does God have favorites? No. It's just that he demonstrates his holiness. He shows his, his favor toward those who have uh, godly fear. And depending on the, le- the level of our fear, godly fear and obedience will determine the favor that we receive. Doctrine of the eternal judgment. The doctrine of the eternal judgment is a triumphant accord in the teaching of Jesus Christ and contains mutually linked levels of the will of God, including the good, acceptable, and perfect will. Romans 12, 1, 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And now let's look at what these three forms of God, these three forms of God's will, uh, have or do they identify and they are identified within the confessions of the faith of God that are contained in our heart Romans 147 1 praise the Lord for it is good to sing praises to our God for it is pleasant and praise is beautiful and so our role is that we cloak our praise in the format of our oath which, which is contained in the perfect will of the Heavenly Father, and we cloak it so that we then proclaim the righteousness of God in His eternal judgments. And so we communicate, we praise God in His covenant, in His oaths, and God will always fulfill His oaths. All three forms of God's will in the teaching of eternal judgment is demonstrated in hope upon God. Hebrews 10, 35, 36, Therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Having having an insufficiency of endurance is an insufficiency of knowledge of who God is for us and what He's done for us. Psalm 52, 9, I will praise you forever because you have done you have done it, and in the presence of your saints, I will wait on you, your name, for it is good. And so not having enough trust upon God is not having enough knowledge about Him, about what He's done for us and who He is for us. All three forms of God's will create or form the state of an infant. Luke 10:21. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said, "I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight." And so it identifies the state of an infant or babe in this case, for he reveals only then his will to these babes or these infants. It's not talking about actual uh, age; it's talking about spiritual, the spiritual condition. And so when the ability to be able to identify your mother, to be able to be nourished by your mother and love your mother. And so when you have these characteristics, 
then I identify her from thousands of others as he as the apostle as the apostle writes I have borne you by the word of truth and I bore you so you may be able to identify your mother and be nursed by her and love her and so how you need to treat your church and treat the person that gives you the truth to know him be nursed by him and love him all three forms of the will of God is called to keep our life and the life of our nation from being destroyed by the sword Esther 7 3 then Queen Esther answered and said if I have found favor in your sight O king if it pleases the king let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request therefore people who are in accordance to the acceptable will of God are people that first uh, in accordance to the requirements of uprightness before God and the requirements of the good will God's will that is good and acceptable and so when she when she had uh, had stated what she had stated she said if I have found favor in your sight she he he stretched out a scepter to her All three forms of God's will, before we are taken to God, we need to receive a testimony that we pleased Him. Hebrews 11, 5, 6. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And so before we are taken, we need to receive a testimony. And this testimony is, I have pleased God. And Apostle Arkady is preparing for us now uh, sermons. He'll teach us how to please God as Enoch uh, had pleased him. I became a little bit familiar uh, with, with some of it that Pastor has been preparing. For example, I can't just read it off a page. Uh, I need the person who wrote it uh, to explain it, of course. And the reason is the word that we hear uh, uh, by the one who plants. It needs to be put into our heart, the word that we hear. And then I'll have a lot of, of work to do with my mind. All three forms of God's will in the teaching of the eternal judgment is called to make us good warriors of Jesus Christ able to overcome suffering. 1 Timothy 2.3.4 You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engages in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlists him as a soldier. Our responsibility, the, the things we do, in our, at our, in our house or, 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 or work, these are not the affairs of, of this life. Affairs of this life are, are things that don't allow us to uh, serve God the way that He requires, things that interfere with our service uh, to God. These are these affairs that we need to not 
entangle ourselves with all three forms of God's will in the doctrine of the eternal judgment is called by the law of the spirit of life to deliver us from the law of sin and death. Romans 8, 1, 1, 8 and 9. There, there therefore is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is he is not. And so to identify whether the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has delivered us from the law of sin and death is, is this can be determined by having the spirit of Christ and the spirit of God living inside of you. All three forms of God's will is called to make us independent of the judgments of others. Galatians 1.10 For for do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. 1 Corinthians 4, 3, 4. But with me, it is a small thing, very small thing, that I, that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I, kn- I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not ju- justified by this. But he who judges me is the Lord. And so we need to not... Uh, judge ourselves uh, for in the in the way of of evaluating ourselves we need to when I would overly uh, do this with myself that this isn't working with me or and, and pastor told me to stop doing this because today you might humble yourself tomorrow you will be become arrogant over others and so you need to allow uh, another that is placed over you to do this uh, and so I wrote this for myself never to do this and so you, you will and so people will say well probably pastor praises you and gives you all these other things none of this happens and so I am not a, a little child to be uh, rewarded for every little thing. When I am trusted with service or uh, I trusting him, I see in this trust, in reverence, I see how God is doing his work. And so I don't care, again, uh, of the judgments of others or opinions of others in this kind of, in this situation. I learned this once and for all. Never receive the pay attention to judgments of others that God has not placed and never do this with yourself either uh, if God has trusted you to do something if he's re- trusted you with a responsibility then you to be always be open to corruption because the more God trusts you with And so the fact that he trusts you, he trusts you then with more, the more that you he trusts you with, the more corrections you will likely uh, receive and you need to continuously be ready for it. All three forms of God's will in the teaching of the eternal judgment need to happen in Christ. Second Peter one seventeen, for he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I well pleased. All three forms of God's will are called to establish judgment on the earth. 
by the means of the smoking flax and the bruised reed. Isaiah 42, 1 through 4. Behold my servant whom I above whom I uphold, my elect one, in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He will not cry out, nor raise his voice, nor cause his voice to be heard in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. He will not fail, nor be discouraged, till he has established just justice in the earth. Today, people replace the service of a pastor uh, uh, with a blogger, for example. Before, it used to be that they would replace it with a doctorate of theology, for example. But today, uh, they say, well, I don't want to be a pastor. I want to be a blogger. I have followers. And the reason is because when you're a blogger, you can say whatever you want, things you can't say when you're a pastor. The bruised Read is absolute dedication of yourself to God and refusing to rely upon any other strength or authority. This is uh, being very vulnerable in spirit, allowing God to then trust you with the power of his judgments. God will not allow that his power be mixed with the power of human abilities and the fact that it will not break this bruised reed is that it will remain in this place or in this state until he does his work or performs his judgments using this bruised reed. We need to remain in this wonderful uh, state of this bruised reed because being in this state, God will be able to do something through us on upon planet Earth. We being this uh, smoking flax, when we, conti- we confess uh, God's will being in this situation or in this state. And so right now we're going to pray and I call every person to this place who desires the greater call in Jesus Christ to receive the greater call that is in Jesus Christ. You need to be you need to find yourself in Jesus Christ, not with your own righteousness, but righteousness by faith in Jesus Christ. And so this righteousness in, by faith in Jesus Christ starts with receiving justification when the Lord proclaims the fact that you're righteous and you begin to grow in this righteousness. We will wait for you here at the altar upon this place. All those who desire the upward call that is in Jesus Christ, we wait for you here at the altar.
I am going to be praying our prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God is on your side. He is not against you. He has loved us with an eternal love. He has given us the work of his redemption. He has stood between us and our enemies so that he can save us and lift us up to his level. Close your eyes. This is your secret room. Lift your hands to heaven. This is a sign that your hands are without wrath or doubt. Pray together with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you and upon this holy place in the church of your holy nation, I open my heart so that you may see my pain, my suffering, my wounds that are inflicted by sin and lust, which I hate and that I reject. I come to you with my dependence, with sin that I'm bound with, illnesses, fears, a pampered dignity and dishonor. I ask you, forgive me, protect me with the blood of your Son. Save me, and right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your word, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May He look upon you with His great with His great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they will not touch you. May the blessing of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills be on you. And may with noise the stronghold of death be thrusted out from your body and may the stronghold of life be erected in its place. May all this be upon you and your children and the nation shall say, Amen. And so we will wait for that revelation that Pastor has. He has a lot prepared already, and he said it will be very soon. Of course, we would like to see him and hear, hear him, but we will wait for the videos that he is going to give. He said, I became familiar with a lot of new truth, and there's a lot of beauty and how to correctly meditate, a very different uh, new things it turns out and so what I did I did I, I read some of it and I just put it aside so that and I will wait for for the person of God to be able to explain all of it it is necessary to be able to uh, hear it and and have it be explained by him so that it would be planted into our heart properly. And I serve only in the form of the water uh, and not the planter, which after the planter has provided the word, then I will be able to pass it on or repeat it. And so this uh, is very important. And we imitate the person that God has given to us. Let us finish with our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling 
and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever Amen <laughs> 